Well, hello and welcome back to the Vineyard Church Podcast. We are in our 10th week of our series through the book of James, and we are jumping into chapter 3 with the infamous topic of taming the tongue. Our lead pastor, Chris Figueredi, will be asking some challenging questions and breaking down how much power our words really have. Here's Chris. Good morning. How are you guys? I am so fired up about today. We have so, I'm so fired up about the next month. We have an incredible month planned, uh, but we are kicking off today with some baptisms. It's going to be an amazing service. I'm glad that you're here. I hope you're ready to celebrate some really cool stuff coming. Before I jump into all that, though, I just want to encourage you, uh, if you're not familiar with Hope Center Ministries, we partnered with Hope Center Oh, a year ago to help launch the Men's Hope Center here in Wheeling, and or it's actually located in Belair. That's where we found a house and prayed that into existence. And the Hope Center guys are here. They're here every week. We're the sponsored church serving the whole Ohio Valley, and we're working on getting a women's center up and running now. You guys with Bridging the Gap back in, um, in, the, in the spring made that possible, and, uh, and so they're searching for a house, continue to pray for that. But at any rate, part of how they keep their doors open and keep things going is they do a couple fundraisers every year, and next Saturday, actually this Saturday, the 16th, they are doing a fundraising gala, and I'm told you don't have to wear tails or tie. You can just come in shorts and a t-shirt if you like, but it, call, calling it a gala, and uh, they're doing that at River City, and uh, if as the sponsor church, if we can make a great showing the first year you do anything like that, you know that's tough. Um, and so I want to encourage you guys, if you're not doing anything Saturday, uh, stop out at the Hope Center table in the lobby, get some tickets, come out, show support, support them, and, and uh, that'll go a long, long way. And we're going to baptize a bunch of Hope Center guys today too, so that's really exciting. Um, Man, over the next, uh, next couple of weeks, I just want to encourage you to be inviting and bringing people the next, the next several weeks. Actually, do that every week. Uh, but uh, for the next two weeks, uh, next Sunday and the Sunday after, we have Chris Dew is going to be with us and preaching two weekends in a row, which is the first time that's happened. And then um, the weekend after that, my friend and mentor Joel Salatin is going to be here, and uh, that's going to be a really interesting and fun weekend, and again, a great invite. So please, um, you know, be inviting people, like for Chris, people who who are, you know, in dealing with addiction or relatives with addiction, that's Chris Do Weekend is a great weekend to bring somebody along those lines, but anybody really, and, uh, and Joel's going to be a blast. So look for those. It's going to be a, an exciting, action-packed fall, and today we're going to kick it off with baptisms here at the end of the service. So, um, All right, well, we are in James chapter 3. If you have a Bible, open up to James chapter 3. If you don't have a Bible, get a Bible next week and bring it. Uh, James chapter 3 is kind of towards the back of the book. It's near Revelation, so if you go all the way to the back and just start flipping, you'll get there, or you can use your index. We're going to read along. We are 10 weeks into our series in James, and we finally made it to chapter 3. <laughs> so um, we're going to cover 12 verses today, so we have a lot, a lot of ground to cover. Uh, and really what James is talking about in this particular part of the, the, the book or the letter is uh, our mouth. Our, our words, how we use our, our, our words. And so uh, I titled the message, The Power of the Pie Hole. Uh, and so, and, and as James paints the picture, it's a very 
powerful, I'm, I'm going to say weapon, and I don't think it's, that's an over-exaggeration. Uh, you know, every once in a while, we just need a wake-up call, right? You need somebody to rattle your cage and go, oh, that's what I'm doing. My, uh, my wife, Christy, when she was growing up, her and her sister and her brother, like any kids, would get mouthy from time to time. Now, if you know my wife, Christy, you wouldn't think that she could ever be mouthy. Um, and I, you know, I, I can't comment on that. But I, I, she tells me that when she was a, was a child, that would happen from time to time. And her dad had a way of snapping them out of that. He had a nickname for them. And he would look at them and they could get mouthy and he'd say, all right, mouth. You know, and, then, and they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so James is writing to us, and he's saying, all right, mouth, this is your wake-up call. Uh, this is an issue that we all have. And it's so important because our words define and direct our lives, and our words have impact on all the people around us and go further than we would ever expect for them to. It's a very important topic, and that's what we're going to talk about today. So in chapter 3 of James, verse 1, it says this, not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. Now, I don't want you to discount yourself and think, well, that only applies to you, Chris. Verse 1 is only for you. If you're a follower of Jesus, you have been commissioned by Jesus to help people find and follow God, to make disciples. Do you know what a disciple is? A student. All right? We all have students in our lives. We all have people that we are influencing with the gospel and with our lives, or we should. That's, that's part of following Jesus is helping people find and follow him, discipling others, whether it's our children or people at work or wherever. We all have that kind of influence. And what he's saying is we're going to be not judged differently. We're not going to be judged. You know, the, the rule book is the same for all of us. We're just going to be held more strictly to the rules. They're like there's more, more expected of us. Jesus put it this way in Luke chapter 12, verse 48. He said, from everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. If you have been, if you have been saved by the blood of Jesus, by his death on the cross and, and uh, redeemed, have you been given much? Yes, you have, just in case you were wondering. Yes, you have. And so much is expected, much is demanded, and from the one who has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. So don't write yourself off on verse 1. This, this does apply to all of us in, in one way or another. Now, he's not trying to talk us out of the mission. He's not trying to talk us out of influencing people and teaching and mentoring and, and, uh, and coaching up the people around us. He's calling us up to the character necessary to do so. That's the point here. An appropriate sense of responsibility with what you have been entrusted with. And what James is saying is the character matters. Character matters. Nobody likes hypocrites. God doesn't like hypocrites. You don't like hypocrites. And nobody you know likes a hypocrite. And, and James is saying, so don't, don't be a hypocrite. Live a life worthy of the calling that you've received. And the problem that James is ad addressing is what I call the character gap. Right? The character gap is the, the gap between our character and our calling or gifting. And that's where, in that gap, that's where people get hurt, where the problems happen. 
There's a mess on the horizon when there's a character gap. And what James is saying is this is a big deal. This is something to pay attention to. This matters. Don't seek to be a teacher unless you intend to live out what you teach. He's calling us to live to a higher standard. Now, how does this play out? Well, so I'm just thinking, so I'm, I'm a teacher teacher, right? I'm, I'm, I'm teaching you guys. You guys are teachers. I'm the teacher of teachers, so I'm, I'm held to a higher standard. Well, how does, how does that work out? Well, so say, you're, say your name's Bob, and you work construction, and Bob, you typically don't walk around cussing and throwing around four-letter words, but you're having a bad day. You walk onto the job site. You throw out a four-letter word, an F-bomb, right? Everybody's going to look around and go, wow, Bob's having a bad day because Bob doesn't usually do that. Bob's having... And that's about all that's going to come of it. If I walk into my job site at the church and throw an F-bomb, I'm going to be out of a job the next day. Right? So I'm held this, I'm held, you know, like Bob, the standard is Bob should not probably have thrown that, but as a teacher of teachers, that, that there's a higher standard. Or if you're online playing Fortnite or Warzone or some online game where you're playing with other people, you know what the language is there. And so, so uh, you know, if you're throwing around, you know, that language, all right. But that's not what James is getting at here, all right? Not, not cussing, and we're going to talk about that in a minute. He's talking about something much more significant. In verse 2, he goes on, we all stumble in many ways. Go ahead and underline that if you've got your Bible. Underline we all stumble in many ways. This may be one of the most comforting verses in all of Scripture. You're not perfect. <laughs> We all stumble in many ways. There's two kinds of people in the world, right? Jesus and the rest of us. You're not Jesus. All right, you stumble. We all fall short in many ways. This, this is an invitation to take a deep breath and rest in the grace of God. Right? James acknowledges right up front, you're not going to get it perfect. All right? So don't be a perfectionist. Don't beat yourself up. Don't obsess when you get it wrong. You will. He said, anyone who's never at fault in what they say is perfect and able to keep their whole body in check. Basically, he's saying, you're not perfect. We know you're not perfect. You're not going to be able to do this. This gives me hope for me, and it gives me hope for you. You're not going to get it right 100% of the time. So relax. An invitation to rest in God's grace, but also, as we read on, an invitation to take our words seriously like this is a serious matter um your words are a big deal so in point number one if you got your notes we've got notes this week for our life groups i encourage you to use those even if you're not in a life group you can dial in in your personal time with god using these notes point number one god doesn't expect perfection but he does expect you to pay attention when it comes to your words God doesn't expect perfection, but he does expect you to pay attention when it comes to your words. You know, I think James would have made a great dad. He's, got, he's just got some dad qualities about him, right? He, he starts with, look, this is important. You're not going to get it perfect. We all fall short, so, you know, you need grace. But, and he's about to do this, he paints very clearly why 
This ends in bad places. He paints the picture of the damage that you will do with an unbridled tongue. He paints the picture of people that you will hurt and how catastrophic it can be if you don't take this seriously. So he acknowledges, in one, on one hand, this is hard. You're not going to get it perfectly, but you have to try because it, the consequences can be devastating. I think a good parent as often as possible, will give the why to their kids. Not just a rule, not because I said so. Now, there are times where it's just because I said so, because de developmentally, they're not old enough to process the why. That's, that's especially as they're smaller. But as they grow, as often and as early as you can paint a picture of, here's why we don't do this. Here's why, as a family, that's not our way. Here's why. This will end it badly for you and help them understand the why. And this is what James is doing. It's great parenting. Just a little side tip for you. All right, verse 3, he says, When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal or take ships as an example, although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. So in, in this part, James is, is laying out the, um, the principle of leverage. Right? He says, so a horse, a 2,000-pound animal, we put a little piece of metal in its mouth, and we can make that beast, which outweighs us by 10 to 15 times, go anywhere we want it to go. Back at, many years ago, I had a friend who lived out on Big Wheeling Creek. He had two horses and a lot of property, and he never rode his horses. So I would go out and ride his horses for him. Uh, it was so hard. I love riding horses, so it wasn't really all that hard. But it was amazing because, you know, you know how severe the, the, the terrain is out there. The, these, basically, you go from Big Wheeling Creek all the way up to Bethlehem. And I mean, it was like, and, and I could make that horse by just you know, just with the, the reins, I could make that horse go up the side of a mountain, down the other side, anywhere I want, cross a creek, anywhere I wanted it to go with just a little piece of metal in its mouth. It's the power of leverage. It sets the direction of the animal. And then he goes into the ship. You know, this big, long ship is controlled by just a little piece of, in their case, it was a little piece of wood under the water in the back of the boat. In 2017, the U.S. Navy commissioned the USS Gerald R. Ford. It was, it's, a, uh, it's a battle cruiser. It's almost 1,100 feet long. It's almost as long as the Empire State Building is tall. If you were to lay the Empire State Building on its side, they'd be very, very close. And the thing is steered by two little pieces of metal, relatively, not little compared to us, but relative to an 1,100-foot-long boat, two small pieces of metal, and they can turn that entire ship any direction they want it to go. It's leverage. It's just a really small thing. It can set and steer the direction of your life. The tongue is th about three inches long and it weighs about three and a half ounces. And he's saying, it's the rudder of your life. 
It's the thing that will direct where you go. Which brings me to point number two. Your, your words determine the direction of your life for good or for bad. Your words determine the direction of your life for good or for bad. James is making this is part of the why, right? The, if you don't have control of your tongue, then you are out of control. Your life will go to places you don't want it to go because it is the rudder. It is going to steer the direction of your life. James makes the picture very, very clear. You're not going to go to good places. Now at the end, he says, likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. I find it interesting. I find it interesting that he, he goes to arrogance and boasting as one of the problems with the tongue, not cursing, not four-letter words. That's, he's not addressing that at all. He's addressing our arrogance and our boasting with our tongue. Arrogance, arrogance, I believe, is a bigger problem, biblically speaking, from my reading, is a much bigger problem for God than having a potty mouth. You can write that down, and kids, make sure you tell your parents later. You're like, I'm never coming back to this church. All right. Um, <laughs> all right. Now, this begs the question, is it okay for Christians to cuss? <laughs> There's so many things I want to say that I can't say. All right. Is it okay for Christians to cuss? So it's become very popular to say something along these lines. I love Jesus, but I cuss a little. Anybody heard that? Seen that? It's a popular meme that's going around. There you go. I love Jesus, but I cuss a little. It started out as a popular meme. Now you can buy it as a plaque on Etsy or, or eBay, right? I don't think it's made its way into Hobby Lobby yet, but I might be wrong. Um, <clears throat> this is not a message about cussing. All right, I just want to be clear about that. That's not what James is addressing in this passage. But it does bump into it, and you're all very, very curious. So I'm going to come back around at the end and address this at the end, okay? So kind of put your, you know, hit the pause button on that topic, and we will, we will address that at the end. But I will say this just as a rule of thumb. Developing your theology based on memes and plaques you can buy on Etsy is a bad idea. All right? Like, that's not where we go for our, our theology. We go to Scripture. Can we agree on that? I think that's super important. So, and we will, and I'll hit it at the end. All right, let's consider, let's continue with what James is saying here. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue is also a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. Is James just being dramatic here or what? I mean, this is like, he is like, this is, this is a catastrophe. An unbridled tongue is a catastrophe. Now, we have a couple of examples in just the last month or so of fires getting out of control in Hawaii. Um, and we saw what happened with what started from a spark from an electrical wire, they believe, turns into a completely out of control situation where hundreds, if not over a thousand people died. 
Everything is flattened to the ground. He's like, that's what your tongue out of control does. And once that fire gets started, you don't control where it goes. Might just be a spark. Might just be something he thought was little. Gets out of control. In, in Greece last week, I was reading about 400,000 acres, biggest fire in the history of Europe. And it usually starts with a cigarette bud. A lightning strike, a spark from an electrical wire, a campfire that wasn't fully put out. They thought it was out, and it was just a little ember. It doesn't take much, but once it's going, you're an arsonist. And some of us are arsonists with our mouths, and the fires burn in the lives of other people. Which brings me to point number three. Your words set the direction but once they are out, you can't control the damage they do. You don't control where those words go after you say them. Now, we think to ourselves, wow, that wasn't a big thing. I mean, I, I was just really angry, you know, <laughs> like, like that excuses the damage done to other people. And, and it doesn't. But we discount our words. We think, ah, oh, they'll understand. But like a fire, it starts with just a spark, something said, and you don't control how it spreads or where it goes. You know, as a pastor, I talk to a lot of people. And you wouldn't believe how many people I talk to who carry wounds because of things that were spoken over their life by the people that they love or the people that they respected when they were a kid or maybe an adult. And it's a year, two years, five years, 10 years, 30 years, 50 years later, and you can just see the devastation that has burnt through their heart. Our words, James is not exaggerating here. He is not. He understands. I think we don't. And I think if we can understand, it gives us some pause with what we do with our mouths. Because our words, once spoken, can rage out of control. They can hurt people, destroy things, and they can burn down your life as well. In verse 7, he goes on. He says, all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. So again, I think James says, look, this is hard. Like, this is something, like, so a lot of times I'll say, so if this is a problem for you, right? This week, this is a problem for you. Not if, this is a problem for every one of us. James makes clear, no one can tame the tongue. Now, we can improve in this area, and we'll talk about that here in a moment. But again, I think James is saying, take a deep breath. You're going to need the grace of God because you're not going to get it perfect. And my encouragement to you is when you don't get it perfect, that you go and you make it right with the person that you hurt. You go and you put the fire out. You apologize. You humble yourself. Instead of great boasts, you humble yourself and go, you know what? I was completely out of line, and I didn't mean that. We need to be people who do that quickly and often 
because we're not going to get it right 100% of the time. And then we need to receive God's grace, and we need to give ourselves some grace in the process, but make it right. We all fall short. And James is making clear, and I think this is really the point of this part of the passage of 7 and 8. This is going to be a battle. This is going to be a battle, and he's getting us ready to fight it. We need to fight it. Has he painted the picture of why yet? Do we know why? We do. He's made it, made it very clear. Then he says this in verse 9, With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in the likeness of God. Did you know that? Every person you've ever met has been made in the likeness of God. He goes on and says, Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? The answer to that question is no. It's either a freshwater spring or it's a saltwater spring. You don't get both. He says, my brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives? The answer is no. A fig tree genetically at the core of what it is is a fig tree. It's going to produce figs. Can a grapevine bear figs? Again, genetically, it's a, it's a, it's a grapevine. It's going to produce grapes. It's not, gonna, it's not this mixed thing. Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water, he says. What James is doing here is He's, he's setting the standard. Like, you, you claim to be a follower of Jesus. You claim to have the Holy Spirit living in you. Like, as, when you come to faith in Jesus, several things happen. Your sins are washed away. You are adopted into God's family as one of His kids. And His Spirit comes and lives inside of you and begins to change you from the inside out. And, and the Apostle Paul says that, that as the, the Spirit begins to change us, what you will see coming out of us is what he calls the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. How much of that involves our mouth? A lot of it. What comes out of our mouth? So, if that is not what's coming out of your mouth, if what's coming out of your mouth is anger and hatred and, and argumentativeness and gossip and slander and negativity, then it's a time for a heart check, right? It's not what's going on in here. It's a wake-up call for you. And like I said, I believe this passage is a wake-up call for all of us. What's going on in my heart? How yielded is my heart to the Spirit? Because what I want coming out of me, and I believe what you probably want coming out of you, is the fruit of the Spirit, not the other stuff. Our heart needs an overhaul. Which brings me to point four. Our mouth problem reveals a heart problem. Our mouth problem reveals a heart problem. Now, I want to be clear. Again, this is, le this is less about cussing and, uh, and using curse words and more about cursing people. You know, he uses the word, um, you curse your brother and si or, or sister. He's not talking about, you know, dropping a, a, um, uh, an expletive 
on your brother and sister, although that's not necessarily very encouraging. Um, but he's talking about cursing, like a, cursing them, not cussing. Does that make sense? Again, I just want to be clear what James is talking about here. All right. So all that said, how does this manifest in two, 2023? What are the practical ways this comes out? Well, all the ways that it did in James' time, you know, I mean, verbally and whatnot. But we live in a culture that is very um, written. You know, we sit behind phones and, and keyboards and we type things and, and, and we say things and we argue and we throw verbal, not verbal, word bombs, uh, and we feel safe behind our keyboard, don't we? Like, we, you see things written online that you would never say face-to-face -face some, to somebody, right? Because, well, I've got this keyboard between me and them, and this screen, and the whole, the whole internet, and so we feel safe just, just kind of going at it, ranting online. I love what Mike Tyson said. I think he captured this beautifully. He's one of my favorite modern-day prophets, just kidding. Uh, <clears throat> he said, social media made you all way too comfortable with disrespecting people and not getting punched in the face for it. And that's the environment online, and for so many of us, that's where we're out of control. I think if James were writing today, he would say something like this. The keyboard is a small part of the computer. It's a small part of the computer, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small click. Yeah. So, be a peacemaker online. Just because you think you're right doesn't give you permission to be... Thank you, that's the word I was looking for, a jerk. Be a spreader of kindness and blessing. Elevate other people. Celebrate other people. Don't use it as a place to rant. Don't use it as a place to tear into people. You know, I think another place where this comes out, and this probably overlaps with the online thing, but is just in the arena of politics. We think we are right, and that does give us permission to be a jerk to other people in the arena of politics. Whether online or around the Thanksgiving table, Stop it. Stop it. That person, whether they agree with you or not, is made in the image of God. And God calls us to show love and respect. Doesn't mean we can't have a conversation, but how often do those conversations turn into hurtful conversations? And if you can't have it without having a hurtful conversation, don't have the conversation. I think my mother taught me that. Can't say not something nice. Don't say anything at all. And then there are the unresolved family disputes, right? The sibling rivalry, the, 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 the relative who wounded you in one way, shape, or form, and all of a sudden it's Christmas and you're all together, and so it just turns into a crap fest. I'm watching my language, just so you know. And everybody goes home crying <laughs> or angry and are like just grateful that we don't have to, to be around the same table until next Christmas. And you're wondering, where the heck did that come from? 
Clearly, there's some unresolved stuff, right? All of this is an invitation, guys, to work on our hearts. All of it is a wake-up call. All of it is, is God going, all right, mouth. <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot what I'm doing. I forgot who I'm talking to. In Proverbs 4.23, it says, Above all else, guard your heart. One of my favorite verses. Guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Everything you say flows from it. The fruit of your words, the fruit of your action, it's coming from here. And who's supposed to be here? Holy Spirit. So, the question is, well, do I work on my heart? Do I work on the inside? Or do I work on my behavior? Mouth management. You know, do I, do I, do I work on behavioral management or do I work on the deeper heart issues? And the answer to that question is yes. People's, people around you hang in the balance. You have to manage your mouth in practical ways. I'm going to talk about that in a minute. But if you just manage your behavior, which is really what religion is all about, and you don't deal with the heart issues, it will always come back and bite you. You will never make the progress you need to make. There's a heart problem. So let's talk about dealing with the inside. How do we do that? Well, prayer. We invite God to help us. We acknowledge in prayer that I'm a... My name's Chris and I'm a mouthaholic. Right? We invite God. We talk it through with God. We confess to God. We spend time with Him and invite Him to shape our lives. We go and we heal the relationships that we've wounded along the way. That's another way we deal with our heart is humbling ourselves and going to the people that we've hurt. And I don't care if it was 50 years ago. Go to the person that you said something to, if God brings something to mind, and go and say, look, I'm sorry. That is a huge inside work when we can do something like that. I think inviting the Holy Spirit to fill us every day. Inviting the Holy Spirit to retool us from the inside out. If you're not inviting Him to do that on a regular basis to change your impatient heart, begin doing that. That's how we do the inside work. And then I, fourthly, consider your inputs. Consider your inputs. You become like the people you spend time with. If you're around a bunch of negative people who are slanderous and, and causing division and tearing other people down, it just kind of becomes part of you and you don't even notice. Consider your inputs. So those are the inside things. Do those. How about the outside things? Well, behavior management, you know, I, I'll give you some things. You're probably familiar with some of them. Uh, if you don't have a cussing jar, everybody should have a cussing jar. Right? Now, I'm coming back to cussing in a moment, so I'm, I'm going to put a low dollar amount on the cussing jar, like a buck. All right? So every time you say a word you don't want to say, you throw a buck in the jar, or if a buck's not painful for you, throw five or ten in the jar. And then at the end of every month, donate it to Hope Center. Um, all right? And so it, it, that will help you remember. That will kind of bring it to mind. All right, yeah, I'm not going to do that. But more importantly, have an outburst jar. Actually, just put, two, put, a, put a pace fee on the, on the side of one jar. You know, for cussing, it's a buck. 
Outbursts, it's 100. Ooh, that just got expensive. You know, if I'm going to rage, if I rage on somebody, if I, if I curse a brother or sister or family member, well, that's a behavior I really want to modify. Do it. That, that's a helpful, helpful tool. I think the 24-hour rule is a helpful outside management tool, and that is take a deep breath and wait 24 hours before you open your mouth or hit send or post. Can we all agree to that? That's easy. Let's just all agree to that. 24 hours. If you have any inclination that what you are about to say, send, or post is going to wound somebody, 24 hours. Get some perspective before you send. And then lastly, accountability. If you don't have somebody in your life that is checking in with you to see how you're doing spiritually, every one of us needs that. Every one of us needs somebody who is a spiritual partner in this journey. And if you don't have that, then get it. If you're wondering where to get a person like that, we'll be selling them in the lobby afterward. I'm just kidding. No. Um, <clears throat> get into a life group. Life groups kick off this week. This is, an e this is the best time to get in a life group where you're going to be walking with other people who are committed to taking their journey with Jesus to the next level. And you'll make friends, and it might be the whole group or it might be one person in the group. If you've got, I've got a mouth problem, I need you to check in with me each week and see how I'm doing, or each day, depending on it. But I need accountability in my life and give them permission to ask the questions and promise them to answer honestly. Get in a group. If you're not in a group, get in a group. Find your people. Accountability is huge. So is it inside work or is it outside work? It's both. We do both. And I think both work together. The problem is, is when we try and do just outside work or we try to do just inside work. This is serious enough. James says we need to manage this while we're doing the inside work. All right. So I know the rest of you, or I know that you guys haven't heard anything I just said because you want to know what, what about Jesus and cussing. You know, I love Jesus, but I cuss a little. So let's talk about that since we backed into it. As your pastor, I want you to know there are good reasons to not have a potty mouth. There are really good reasons to not walk around throwing expletives everywhere we go. But they're not found in James chapter 3. The, the, the passage that most people point to for your rule, thou shall not F-bomb or whatever, is in Ephesians. It's in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. It says this, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. Now, the word for unwholesome there is like putrid. It's like rotting vegetables or rotting meat is specifically how the word that's, that's translated there. And um, so can an argument be made for no expletives for Christians? It can. It can. But as I read on, what I see is, but only what is helpful for the building up of others according to their needs. So where is he going with this? What is the context? He's talking about building people up, not tearing them down. Don't be the gossip with 
putridness that comes out of your mouth. Don't be the negative person with the, with the, the ugh, it's just gross and rotting. Don't do that. But only what is helpful for building people up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. And it seems to me that the Apostle Paul here in the book of Ephesians is really addressing how our words impact other people, not necessarily like there's are specific words that we should not say because society says they mean something. That's how I read it. If you are, want to argue with me, you can send an email to um, Matt Parsons at vineyardwheeling.com. <laughs> Um, and uh, <laughs> just be ready for what you get back. All right, so is this a biblical prohibition on cussing? I don't think so. I don't think so. Really what it's addressing is edification versus tearing people down. So you can do that with a four-letter word. You can do that with any other word, can't you? You can wound people with perfectly socially acceptable words. All right, so... For me, if you're looking for the rule, I don't see it here. But what I do see is, are your words tearing people down? And I think you can put using the Lord's name in vain in that same category. Like, God is not happy with that. But if you let an ex expletive fly, I don't think God is up in heaven going, oh my, I've never heard that word before. So... The example I was going to use today, this is really funny. Yeah, um, on Thursday when we record our, our run-through, I was moving a t this collapsible table for, uh, for the camera to sit on, and it collapsed on my pinky, and it was crushing my pinky, and I could not get it off my pinky. So it's like this extended, I'm like, and I didn't cuss. And Vicky was in the room, and so she was, you know, and I, and I so for the run through, I'm like, I got a great example. I, did, I didn't cuss because it doesn't look good. Well, then I was doing a plumbing project the day before yesterday at my house, and boy, some words flew. And, um, <clears throat> and afterwards, you know, you ever, you ever get in the middle of something and it's just so intense, and you're like, <gasps> where did that come from? Oh, thank God. James said, we're not going to get it perfect, right? So. <clears throat> I love Jesus, but I cuss a little. What can I say? Um, you guys, we're going to lose half the church on this one. Um, <clears throat> that said, honestly, I don't think God, I don't think God gets upset when we bang our finger with a hammer and a bad word flies. I don't, I don't think he's wringing his hands about it. I mean, sometimes it's just like it just comes out. I don't think that's what this passage is addressing. And if you want to take it up with somebody, take it up with the Apostle Paul in Philippians 3. He wrote these words, What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. The word that's translated as garbage was translated as garbage so we could read it in church. Literally what he said is closer to the equivalent of S-H-I, and I can't say the word because I'm in church, so. You know, you read the book of uh, Song of Solomon, and, and uh, when you delve into what, what the original language, it's like, oh my, I'm blushing. 
right? God is not a prude. But what he does get upset about is when we use words, whether they're four-letter words or any other words, to tear other people down. Gossip, slander, cursing, demeaning, causing division, complaining, ranting. That's what, those are the heart issues. Now, does it reflect well on a person to go around with a potty mouth? Absolutely not. It's not a good look. If you're a follower of Jesus, it's not a good look. Keep in mind that you are an ambassador for God. Okay, if, the, if an ambassador who goes to represent our country goes into another country and starts throwing around expletives, does that reflect well on our country? It doesn't. 2 Corinthians 5.20, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. That's who you are. And there are some of us who walk around with a potty mouth and you are reflecting upon your Savior and God. And that's not necessarily really good. I can't give you the rule, but I can give you the why. I'm helping James out here. Some of us need to wrestle that to the ground. But it's not a point of legalism, at least from my understanding. It's a point of honor. It's a point of surrender. It's a point of acknowledging who you are and whose you are and what you've been given to do. All right. So this passage is dealing with what we do with our words when it comes to people. Is that clear? We're done with the cussing part, so you can do with that what you want. And I think verse 9 sums it up. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father. And with it, we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Let me leave you with three questions. And I want you to wrestle with them this week. Again, if you're not in a life group, get in a life group and talk these through with other people. And the first question is this. Do I have a mouth problem? Do I have a mouth problem? And the second question is this, then do I have a heart problem? And the last question is this, what is my next step in addressing it? You answer those three questions prayerfully with God, and I believe things will begin to change inside of you. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that your word acknowledges, that James acknowledges that we're not perfect. God, and I pray that you would help us to walk in that grace, help us to receive your grace, but help us also to take very seriously our words. Lord, words previously spoken that have wounded people, help us to go and make those things right, to bring healing to those people as best we possibly can into those relationships. And Lord, help us to take seriously the character gap, the need to, Lord, just the need to, to take this seriously in our lives, to live up to the calling that we've received. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for the wake-up call that it is, and yet you season it with grace. Lord, fill our hearts, change our lives from the inside out, and help us 
Lord, help us to take seriously who we are and whose we are in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us on the Vineyard Church Podcast today. It's our greatest desire for people to find and follow God, and we hope this podcast is one way that helps you do just that. But don't stop here. We would love to see you face-to-face. God's people grow most in community, so don't forget you can join us live at the Capitol Theater in downtown Wheeling every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. If you'd like to connect with us in the meantime, make sure to visit our website, vineyardwheeling.com, or download our app. You can catch up on previous messages and series, request prayer, and even download additional content. Thanks again for joining us this week. We'll see you next time.